This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters. The hockey moms and hockey dads and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our house. house. Welcome to the House of Hockey, episode 33. I'm one of your hosts, Ray Ray. And I'm your other host, Breezy. And we're going to keep going. We're on a roll with players, former hot professional and current hockey players. Um, we're stacking them up for you guys during this, this off season. And this week we interviewed former player Colin Mulvey. And our bar of incredible stories is just going up and up and up. He had to flee Germany. And I'm not talking about fleeing Germany during like World War II. I'm talking about like... (laughs) Several years ago, he had to flee Germany. Um, that story is probably one of the best. And I don't think I have laughed this hard, Breezy, in a long time. I don't think so either. I think, well, all of his story, I mean, we just couldn't prepare ourselves for, for what he was going to say. I mean, all of his stories were straight out of left field. I mean, they came out of nowhere. I had I had no idea what, what, what he was going to end up laying on us. And... Uh, it was so funny. I mean, I'm still laughing about it. I have a tear like coming out right now thinking about the stories that that we just witnessed. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. If you guys need a laugh, this is the episode for you. I mean, plus, I mean, there's a little bit of. It's not all funny. Uh, obviously, there's some, you know, sad things that happened to him. I don't know. Why I'm smiling. I think because I'm just like reliving that journey story <laughs> in my head. Um, but Colin is a really interesting guy and he's a really hardworking hockey player and he had to really work hard to get into uh, the professional space. And he's also got, uh, an underwear line for men. So we go all into that and he teamed up with a, a, a friend of the house of hockey podcast, didn't he? He did. And we'll just let Colin explain all of this in uh, in his interview because I don't want to like give too much away um he obviously will say it a lot better than than we do but yeah he's teamed up with uh, a good friend of ours on the the House of Hockey podcast and he has a lot of good things coming to him and like you said he's he's a really hard worker on and off the ice and so uh, I think I can speak on behalf of both of us when we say that we're really excited to see uh, what he does in the future. Exactly. We are. And it's Halloween this weekend. It Can is. you believe that? I can't because October is my favorite month. And I feel like it was just October 1st the other day. And I'm really sad that it's, it's over. I know it's it, this year. I mean, the, I'm so confused. There was the World Series is going on and I don't care because I'm like, where's my hockey games? Like, I, I just feel very discombobulated. And 
I'm not doing anything for Halloween. Is is like because ha- Halloween's canceled, isn't it? Like we're supposed to be I six mean, feet apart. Like what's happening? I mean, I feel like a lot of people are saying Halloween is canceled and like Thanksgiving's canceled and Christmas is canceled. But you know what? They don't run our lives. We can do whatever we want. If it brings us joy, we're gonna do it. So crazy with the snapback. All right. I'm just irritated. I think I just hate when people try to control my life. It's like, you don't own me. Are you kidding me? Get out of here. If I want to celebrate Halloween, I'm going to do it. I'm not doing too much, to be honest with you. Like, I guess I shouldn't have hyped that up too much. My nephew and his girlfriend are going to come over and we are going to have a scary movie night and eat Chick-fil-A because that's going to be a cheat meal for us. And probably candy. And that's what we're going to do. But what scary movie? Oh, well, we have a list of them. Hope My nephew's going to try to get here around noon. And we are planning on watching, well, apparently the scariest movie of all time, based off of, well, not maybe not all time, but the scariest movie to date, done by scientists or something, is a movie called Sinister. So I don't know if you've seen Sinister. I love that movie. It's terrifying and there's a sinister too so we're going to watch both of those uh we love the insidious series so there's four of those i don't know if we're going to get through all of them but we're going to try to to jam pack them all in and just get scared because it's spooky season and we like that okay well yeah i wouldn't be able to come to your party because i in maine well that But aside from that, I can't handle scary movies. Like I'm no? the person who's like, ah! you know, like making crazy sounds when oh, things are spooky that happen. I'm impossible to watch those movies with. And I, I just, I don't like feeling scared. I'm more of the like hocus pocus, practi- oh. practical <laughs> magic, like that kind of Halloween movie. Okay. Well, that's fine. I love good hocus pocus. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's such a classic. But that's like about I I could do Scream because that's kind of funny and not necessarily like super terrifying. Right. And there's a fifth one coming out next year. Same cast. I'm so excited. I saw that and I almost peed my pants. Okay, that we probably should together. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. (laughs) But don't pee your pants. But don't pee my pants. That's probably... Although, Pee in Your Pants is the coolest. Name that movie. I don't know. You don't know? No. Oh, my gosh. What is that Billy, from? Billy Madison. Oh. You've never seen Billy Madison? I've seen it, like, once, oh. and I couldn't tell you anything that happens. I mean, I know he's, like, a hockey player who plays golf now. That's, That's all I Happy remember. Gilmore. <laughs> All right. See, I I have no clue. I have no clue. Oh man. Okay. Well, which one? You're gonna... Billy Madison. What's Billy that Madison. one about? He's like he's like a rich. Well, his dad's rich, and he because he has like this big company, and so he thinks that his dad's going to be retiring and like handing him down the company. But then the dad's like, "Well, you didn't even go through school. Like you had to go through school, so he has to go back to school." And go through kindergarten all the way up through high school. And And there's the little kid and they pee on the side of the building. 
Yeah, because, well, they didn't pee on the side of the building. He wet his pants. And then so he walks over and he goes, oh, geez. And then he goes, it's okay, it's okay, I got you. So then he puts water on his pants and he goes, you ain't cool unless you pee your pants. And it's really funny. He was sticking up for the kid. And that's good, you know, I don't know. It's just like a booster of there's good people in the world. (laughs) Whatever you say, maybe that's the movie I'll be watching this Halloween. (laughs) Maybe you should. Maybe you should. There is a little bit of a a twist in that movie that can get a little scary. So I guess mm. that could be your your thriller. So uh, life's scary enough for me. I don't need to be spooked by watching a movie. I want to laugh and just you know escape and not be sitting in fear for two hours. You know <laughs> the that's how I look at it I don't know it doesn't do anything for me what I was going to say though is do you think we're going to get the plethora of hot NHL player Halloween party photos that we usually get because I have a feeling it's going to be a lot less than we usually do and if those of you who are listening have no clue what we're talking about you probably should know, but it's become like Halloween is the holiday for hockey players. And in my opinion, and they go all out and their girlfriends and their wives always like do it to the nines with the costumes, like, mm-hmm. like Heidi Klum style Halloween party. Like she used to have a, a really epic Halloween party with like costumes, like not from Walmart, so not that there's anything wrong with that but they you know you've got to go big and like you gotta do it up right and there's been some really great costumes from the hockey players and that's what I most look forward to every Halloween is scrolling social media and seeing the pictures that the players and their wives and girlfriends post because I just I love it that's what I love about Halloween is like seeing costumes and seeing how creative they are trying to guess what they are and that's, yeah, I think I think we'll get some. Yeah. I think we'll. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure some people will be having you know quarantine style Halloween parties, and I mean the guys have all been quarantined together anyway, so. Right. Yeah, I think we're gonna get something. I hope so. I think that there's gonna be more stuff going on than people think because I think people are just over it and they just want to hang out with friends. I mean, I hang out with friends. A short group, but yeah, you're. Fine. What did I hear? Quarantine, quarantine, yeah, or quarantine crew. There's there's a bunch of different ones. Yeah, yeah. But, eh. Well, since we're talking about our crews, I think you should introduce your new segment that we're going to start doing when it's applicable on the podcast. Since we are a house, the house of hockey. And Breezy um, is always in the backyard because she loves to barbecue. Tell us the name of your segment and tell us what's happening there. Well, a good name for this segment, I guess, can go along with my Instagram handle for my barbecue, which would be Breezy's Barbecue Pit. Um, So I'll go through and I'll tell you what's on the menu for today or the weekend or whatever I just randomly cooked up in the last couple days uh, or a new drink, a new shot, maybe something you're going to want to try. We'll keep it fun and we'll add a little flavor to the podcast. 
Ding, ding. And you have a segment you're going to add to this too, right? Yes. I am going to do a shut the front door segment (laughs) where I get to rant about, uh, I'm going to try to keep it to hockey related content. Um, but who knows, I might slip in some other stuff, but uh, mostly hockey related. If if not, it would be my personal life related, but something that is so shocking and that I can't believe. And I'm going to tell you how I really feel about uh, about that story. Breezy's Barbecue Pit. I got two new smokers uh, in the past two weeks, um, experimenting with live fire kind of cooking stuff. Uh, I guess the most interesting thing I cooked, um, I made bacon-wrapped Oreos. It's a new hype that's going around. I keep seeing them. I was like, gosh, I was like, this sounds so weird. Uh, But I'm always up for trying stuff. And I mean, bacon-wrapped anything is delicious. Uh, So I whipped a batch up last weekend. And um, the first bite was like, whoa, this is, huh, all right. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, these are actually pretty good. It's not something you would crave. And I don't think it's something that like, you're like, oh man, I need to eat like a box of these. Cause like, let's be real. You don't want a box of bacon or a box of Oreos, but uh, they were delicious. I liked them. I enjoyed them. Uh, everyone else seems to have enjoyed them except for one person, but she's a picky eater anyway. So <laughs> bacon wrapped Oreos, super easy to make. Uh, I don't recommend uh, doing it very hot because, uh, they do melt and fall apart. And the weird thing is that the bacon like squeezes the Oreos and the Oreos turn into like an hourglass shape. Very odd, but delicious. Highly recommend. Give it a try. I would eat an entire, I could eat an entire box of Oreos though. That I I wouldn't feel good. Okay. But here's the thing. (laughs) Regular Double stuffed or mega stuffed? Just double stuffed. You have to double stuffed. And if you eat that without taking the top off, you yeah. are a savage and you are not a lot. You cannot, that is not how you eat an Oreo. You eat an Oreo by taking, you twist it, you take one piece of the cookie off, you eat the cookie, and then you eat all the filling and then you eat the other cookie, the other part of the cookie. Okay. okay. That's, that's how I eat an Oreo. A lot of people are going to be like, oh, no. (laughs) I respect that. I I mean, it was a a controversial, I can't even talk, subject when I went to go buy Oreos. I was like, well, I think I need the double stuffed. And then they're like, that's not going to be enough frosting. It's going to melt out. You got to get the mega stuff. But then I'm like, but then there's too much frosting. I've never had mega. And I think mega didn't used to exist until very recently. So go with double. Double stuffed. All the way, double stuffed. That's what she had to do. Shut the front door. Joe Thornton is a (laughs) Toronto Maple Leaf. What? What? Why? Why? Why on earth would, like, the oldest player... Okay, he might not be the oldest, but the oldest player in the league... Go play with the youngest team in the league with a bunch of guys who could give two shits about what happens with their season or their team. They just want to go out and hang out with girls and go to the club. Why? What? What would possess 
Joe Thornton to go to Toronto. Well, it Joe is, is shocking. Just just chasing a cup for sure. He's not uh, going to get one in <laughs> Toronto with those schmucks. Are you kidding? So when I saw that, I was like, huh interesting this is this is weird and there are so many memes going around they're like well maybe joe being the older guy he can't really you know play past the first round so he wanted to make sure that if he went to the he'd have to go to a team where they're not going to make it through the first round of playoffs because he's his body's done by then and i was like "Ooh, that's a knife to the heart i can tell you joe's not thinking about that in his decision making process no but i it was it was odd. It was a very odd. Trade. It's wrong. Like it's wrong on so many levels. Like that is the worst place for him to go. Actually, but, you know what? No, wait. I'm going to take that back. It's the ble- best place for him to go because he doesn't have to do dick because none of the other guys on the ice do, <laughs> and they're not going to get a Stanley Cup, and it doesn't matter. And he could just play his hockey, and there's no pressure like he has in San Jose, right? Like because he's been there for so long, and they they haven't had their yeah. cup, and he hasn't had a cup. That pressure is now off, and he could just fucking play hockey, which is all he wants to do until the day he can't play hockey. So actually, right. it's the perfect place for him, except it makes me a little nauseous to see him in a Leafs jersey, even though I'm not a San Jose Sharks fan. Um, but I think that is the weirdest off-season trade for thus far. For to, yeah, to happen in this off-season. Oh, I mean, unless the Leafs are hoping it's going to be another, um, what's the word I want to use? Like a pick-me-up for the team, like when they picked up Patrick Marlowe from the Sharks. And how well did that work out? It actually worked pretty well because there's a big bond that happened between Mitchie and Matthews. But isn't Marlowe not there anymore? He's not there anymore. Right. But... It was heartbreaking when he was traded because there was such a community within the team that came around it and like a brotherhood and they played really well. They didn't really go very far, but they played very well together. So maybe they're hoping that maybe like that father figure is going to come in and like kind of mold the team back together as a whole and. Not going to happen. I know Leafs fans are going to be up in arms with everything I just said. And I'm sure <laughs> you want to punch me through the screen. No, 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 no. I mean, come on. There are so many reports out there. And yes, reports in the media can be false about that oh, young no. core on the Leafs and their lack of concern for winning a cup or really like truly having that passion to to play. I mean, obviously there's oops, weird sound. Obviously there's some, some passion because it's, it's spooky season. Oh my God. I applaud Joe for continuing to play and doing what he's got to do to, to stay on the ice. And he's playing overseas right now in the off season, which uh, is anybody else playing on the Leafs overseas during the off season? No. <laughs> are any of those core guys, those young boys, are they doing anything? No, they're just wearing bucket hats and weird Disney shirts and hitting up the town. I feel like you just took a stab at Austin Matthews so hard because you're like bucket hats and weird Disney shirts. 
Marner does not do that, first of all. No, he doesn't. You're a Matthews hater. No, I just... Uh, you just don't like the style? <laughs> I don't like the bucket hat, man. I never even wore that when they were popular. They're goofy. No, bucket, yeah, they, they're pretty goofy. Uh, yeah. I, would, I you, can't would you wear a no, bucket hat? No, exactly. no, 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 no. Absolutely not. I can't imagine him getting out of bed and being like, I'm going to put on the bucket hat today and hit the lake. I and I'm going to put on does. my yellow Drew House Crocs because my boy JB gave them to me. Although I'd wear them too if JB gave them to me. But I can't. He's going to get up and be like, hmm, bucket hat. Pink. Let's go. Let's go. So shut right. the front door. Doors closed on that topic. Our podcast is proud to be on the Hockey Podcast Network, and the network is home to many other incredible podcasts, including this one. Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet, hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to keep updated on all of the latest news, scores, or standings from across the European hockey world, you want to get some insight from some very interesting guests discussing their stories with hockey and how the sport grows around in Europe in different interesting places, or if you want to keep updated with all of the leagues across Europe that are either playing, have been suspended, cancelled, delayed indefinitely, then do check out our latest episodes of the Europuck podcast every Friday as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a YouTube channel, the Europuck Podcast, and you can listen to us wherever else you get your podcasts. So check us out every Fridays and we'll see you there, folks. This week's guest is former pro hockey player who spent four years in the NCAA, one year in Germany and four years in the ECHL and is now the founder of a men's fashion brand, Colin Mulvey. Welcome to the House of Hockey. Good to be here. Uh, excited to talk to you guys tonight. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So I think we should just jump into it. How did you get into hockey and can you describe the your journey into getting to the level of play that you went into? So uh, I started, I think it was like three or four years old. And the first thing I remember is not being able to skate at all. And they had like an old milk crate. And they just put the milk crate on the ice and they just like pushed the milk crate around. And I stumbled my way around the ice for a bit and then um, eventually got the hang of it. And for me, skating was always my strong suit. Stick handling was something I had to learn along the way. Never really grasped it that much. So that's why I didn't make it all the way. But uh, my when I was really young, I, I was like fortunate enough to make the big travel team in the area. And then the second year, I was the only person to get cut from that team. So all my buddies got to keep playing and I was the odd man. I think I was like six or seven years old and I got cut from my first team. And for whatever reason, that kind of sparked me into like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put time in and get better. And then the year after that, it started to click for me and I got more confidence and it just started to, uh, to snowball. Um, Ended up going, playing high school hockey. Uh, At the end of that, there really wasn't um, 
any colleges recruiting me. Um, and I happened to go to a friend's game up in New Hampshire one day and he was playing for like the prep school championship. And I ran into an old coach of mine and he's like, Hey, where are you going, Colin next year for college? I'm like, coach, I'm, I think I'm going to the Marine Corps actually. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, I went down to the recruitment office last week, signed up. All I have to do is like one last signature and a physical and I'm heading off to Paris Island. And he's like, no, you stay here for a minute. Let me go and talk to somebody. So he comes back in a few minutes and he goes, uh, tomorrow, bring your year, show up at this rink at like four o'clock. So I showed up and it was the Valley Junior Warriors um, EJHL team. It's a Massachusetts, New England Junior League at the time. And I did a practice with the team and the coach liked what he saw. So he signed me to the team. Um, during that season, I, I got a few looks, nothing really um, that significant. And out of the blue, I got this call from a team called Norwich University. I never heard of it before. And they asked me to go up on a recruiting trip. So I go up on the recruiting trip, and there's about 12 of us in the class. And I'm, like, the only person without a parent. So I'm the last person to enter the coach's office after the game. So, like, it's probably, like, two hours after the game. I've just been sitting in the hallway waiting for someone to talk to me. So two hours passes by. Everybody has, like, a 15, 20-minute conversation with the coach. They walk out smiles, like, laughing. I walk into the coach's office and he goes, yeah, uh, Matson told me you should come up on this visit. He was the assistant coach. He goes, Matson told me you should come up on this visit. Honestly, I don't think you're good enough to play for our team. Maybe you will be in a few years, but uh, yeah, thanks for coming tonight. <laughs> so I was supposed to send the night in Vermont and I'm like, screw this. I will never play for that team. So I drive home that night and a few days later we're playing and the head coach happened to be at that game looking at another player on the other team. And during that game, I had a really good game. So after the game, the coach was like, hey, Colin, can't wait to see you at school next year. Great job out there. You're, we're really high on you. We can't, have, can't wait to have you on the team. And I blew him off. I'm like, I don't want any part of this. So uh, as things started winding down, I don't come for much money and – the, the financial package that they put together for me at the school was like, I don't have any other options. So I guess as much as I don't want to go here, I got to go here. So it's like, I kind of backed into that. Um, and then as like the years progressed, I started to find my game. Um, I was lucky enough to get connected with a skills coach out of Boston University, a guy named Perti Hassanen. And he, he's the one who like really developed my game and my stick handling and my shooting. And he's the one who helped me break into the pro ranks. So it's a bit of a winding story, but we got there eventually. Yeah. I mean, that's what you got to do though. I mean, I don't think anybody has like an easy ride into it, but that's a little brutal. <laughs> yeah. Take, taking it, you're glad that you didn't end up in the, you said the Marine Corps? Yeah, my biggest hesitation, honestly, was I didn't want to cut my hair as pathetic as that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> what a hockey guy. He doesn't want to as mess be- with his salad. Like. As pathetic as that sounds, I was so nervous about getting buzzed off. <laughs> you had a crazy, you know, journey into to getting to, to where you started. How did you get into playing uh, in Germany? Um, so I 
spent my first year outside of college. Actually, I'll back it up a little bit. So right after my last collegiate game, this team in the Central Hockey League, which doesn't exist anymore, folded, um, gave me a call and like, hey, can Colin, we'd like you to come down for playoffs. Um, so I joined this team for playoffs. We lose in the second round, and literally as the buzzer rang, the team I was playing for folded. So, like, guys are scrambling to get flights home and stuff, and I'm like, this is a bad taste in my mouth to start my professional career. And then the following season, um, I played for the Penguins minor league team, the Wheeling Nailers. And at the end of the season, I got traded to Cincinnati, and I'm like, I don't like this, like, limbo lifestyle. So um, friends of mine who have played overseas, like, yeah, when you're – in a European team, like the team is the team. There's not as much transactions. It's like stability. And typically you're looked at as one of the, like the premier players on the team. So your ice time is kind of like locked in. If you have a bad shift, you're not going to sit on the bench. The coach is still going to put you out there because you're a go-to guy. So that's something I desired. So I went over to Germany for that reason. And it's just a matter of getting the right agent and the right contacts. Just the entire game of hockey is so different and even just hearing the perspective you just shared of like having that consistency um, is something I don't think we've heard really um, as far as like from the player's side so tell us a little bit more about who you played for and then like what that whole team dynamic and fan dynamic is like there. So I ended up playing for technically for two teams one team the Erding Gladiators it's uh, the town is essentially where the Munich airport is so it's like a suburb of Munich. And I spent the entire year with them. The biggest thing about the game that from my perspective is that the first few players on the team are pretty good. And then after that, there's a substantial like fall in talent. So if you get out there and you know like you're playing against like a full German line, it's point night. Like if you get that matchup in the timing, like if they change wrong and you get out there against their third line, it's open season. You can kind of just score at well. Um, but the second team that I signed with is a team called Lindau um, Islanders. And that's right on the border of Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. There's this big lake down in the corner and when I signed with them, they told me, they're like, yeah, we're going to be one of the best teams in the league. We're going to live in this beautiful, uh, like, beach house. You're going to drive, like, a Mercedes or an Audi. We're going to get another. So in the European leagues, they limit on how many non, like, people from that nation can play in it. So in the league that I was in, there's only two non-Germans allowed per team. So they're like, the other import is what they call it will be uh, a Canadian or an American. So you have something to hang out with. So on the first day I show up, I walk in and I'm like, so who's the other import? And I'm like, oh, it's this guy. He's from Slovakia. Doesn't speak a word of English. I'm like, oh, no. all, for, all for one. And then <laughs> I'm like, uh, can you take me by the rink? And I look at the rink and it's got no walls. It's like, it's completely open to the lake and there's not even ice down because it's too warm outside for the ice to freeze. Oh. So the, like the locker room was terrible. Um, they had me living in some guy's basement, like underneath 
this house. I'm driving this crappy smart car. So no beach <laughs> house like, then. <laughs> no, everything they told me was the complete opposite. I got like every single. They couldn't have lied to me more if they tried to. So, sounds like Russia. I mean, you know, for pretty both. much. It sounds like like the spin chicklets Russia stories. Yeah. Except there's no <laughs> Russian gas in my story. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. <laughs> Oh, so like they, I'm there for a month and it's like the day before our first game and we're supposed to go to practice to like get ready for the game. And I get a phone call from the coach. He's like, Hey, Colin, the ice melted. Uh, so we can't practice today. So we're just going to go to the gym and do a spinning, spinning studio instead. And I'm like, I'm not fucking doing it. Nope. I'm done. I'm done. So that oh. night I snuck into the rink. I like stole my gear. I switched my plane ticket and I at that must have like triggered something to send an email to the team. And they're like, Colin, what are you doing? We're going to cancel your visa and all this other stuff. Like, and so like, I basically had to like flee Germany and I'm sitting in the airport in Zurich, Switzerland. And I'm like, get on the plane, get on the plane. And I'm so nervous that my ticket's been canceled. So I figured like they might have canceled it. So I'm like, I just need to scan this. Like, let me in, let me on the plane. And it was such a relief to get on the plane. I felt like I was escaping like a prisoner. <laughs> oh my gosh. You got on the hilarious. plane and, and you're not allowed back in Germany ever again. I'm allowed back in Germany, but I'm not allowed to play ever in Europe again because they owned my European rights. And in order to release them, they wanted me to pay like, I don't know, ten or fifteen thousand dollars to like sign my rights away, and I'm like, no chance. So that's the only reason why I came back to the United States and played in the ECHL. Holy crap! What a story! Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, we asked. I mean, no, no, no. It's a good right? story. It's a good. Story. It's a great. It's a great story. You just fleeing Germany and. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I like the German people. I have nothing against Germany. It was just that particular situation. I like, I loved living in Europe and the thing, but there's no way I could be riding a bike like the day before a game and have melted ice. It was just a joke. Right. Yeah. Well, how are no. you supposed to play a game on melted ice? Yeah, I have no you idea. Can't. I never actually once practiced at our rink because the ice was too melted every day. So we were driving like an hour to some other team's rink and practicing there. Moron. Yeah, you had to go. You had to flee Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds crazy. All right. So I'm guessing your transition <laughs> to the ECHL was freaking fantastic then after that experience, right? That, that sucked too because I... <laughs> oh, no. Because I, the year before, um, I played in Cincinnati for the Cyclones and I was one of like the go-to guys was a first line player and they really wanted me back. So it's in the ECHL, they call it uh, like reserving. I don't remember the exact name, but essentially it's like this, a franchise tag in football. Mm-hmm. So they own your rights in the league. You can't go anywhere else. So they, they did that to me because they really wanted me back. And when I went to Germany, I think that crossed the coach so I left as like a first line player. I came back as a fourth line player and I wrote a lot of pine that year. <laughs> oh, no. 
that that's why I now renovate houses and I'm trying to start a clothing line because I got sick of the business. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't complain. I we signed up for it. I had a bunch of great experiences along the way. So and good stories now to tell people. All right, then give us a good story. Let's change this mood around. <laughs> Oh, that's just tough to just throw a good story out here. Okay, wait. Before you <laughs> a, go to a, a good PG story. One. Oh, no, it can be 13 or at least something that, you know, one of your buddies wouldn't be mad that you told. But um, <sighs> tell us, um, when you played for the, the Wheeling Nailers, that's where Biz Nasty played, right? Yeah. A lot of... That's a funny story, too. Okay, go with that and I then was... tell us what, what else you were going to tell us. So my first day of training camp with the Nailers... Um, the there's like 60 guys there like an incredible amount of guys they signed for this camp so they have like the entire locker room and then there's this other like little side room and that's where my gear was stationed so already i'm like oh i'm glad they really want me i'm just in the (laughs) basically in the coat closet down the hallway so (laughs) so it's me a guy pat mcgrath who played quite a bit for wheeling in wilkesbury and a guy sahir gill who played for wilkesbury and i think he now he's in germany as well so it's the three of us and we're in there and i look at my stall and i have two fresh three-year-old reebok 20ks with bissonette down the shaft the only problem is biz is a lefty and i'm a righty so then exactly we're all for me <laughs> And right there, I knew, I was like, I got a long way to go before I make this team. <laughs> I made it, though. I, I snuck it out. I made it. We could stay with the Spit and Chicklets theme. I got a, a Whitney story. Oh, lay it on us. I love, so, Whit- I love how angry he gets. This is, this is perfect for you, then. <laughs> so so uh, I'm from Massachusetts, and in the summers... I was lucky enough to get invited to the like the professional skate in the thing. So they were held out of Boston University. The, it's now the women's rink. So we're doing practice, and there's 30 NHLers, and I'm the only East Coast plug on the ice. So we're doing this one drill, and you got to make a pass from the goal line to the far blue line to a guy skating full speed. So it's a, it's a – 150 foot pass and it's it's a tough pass to make so wit is i'm in line and wit is the guy skating so i fire puck and i bury him in the feet which is stopped dead tomahawks his sticks in the stand skates off the ice he looks at mike greer who's the the guy coaching it and greer's like wait where the hell are you going he goes I'm going to call my account and see how much longer I have to play this stupid fucking game. (laughs) (laughs) Any other NHL guys you played with, like in any of the systems, like any other names people would know? I played with quite a few. Um, In that summer skate, I played with uh, like a lot of guys. It was pretty much the entire Boston Bruins roster. And then guys like... um, Tom Pody would be out there, Hal Gill, uh, I don't know, the Corey Schneider, the goalie for Vancouver at the time. I, don't, I believe he's in New Jersey now. Uh, so what was that like? Though? So you grew up in Mass, and I'm taking yeah. you were a Bruins fan. 
No, I was an Avalanche fan growing up, and then I became a, a Penguins fan when Crosby joined the league. Oh, so I'm a I'm a player guy. I I root for players, not for uh, teams. But the first so time I got on the ice, I was super nervous. Not what I expected because I was doing that skills thing with the guy Perte, who I told you about in my intro, and another guy on the ice is Mike Greer, who's like one of my favorite guys in hockey. And Mike's like, hey, Colin, we have this skate in the morning, just a few guys, if you want to come out uh, and just skate with us. And I'm like, yeah, sure, that'd be awesome. So I'm expecting it'd be like me, a couple other guys, like a couple of college guys. And I walk into the locker room, and the first person I see is like Brad Marchand and uh, Patrice Bergeron. And I'm like, <laughs> like hey, oh, shit. I'm way out of my What's depth up? here. <laughs> And then Tuka Rask comes strutting down the hallway, and I'm like, holy shit, like, I got to tune in here. And I knew, like, one or two guys there, but I was so nervous. And, like, the scrimmage starts off, and it's me, Marshawn, and Bergeron versus Keith Yandel, um, Jack Eichel, and David Pasternak. And I'm like, one of us doesn't fit in here. (laughs) (laughs) You're, like, looking around like, Who's who doesn't fit in here? Somebody, somebody's the odd man out, and it's definitely yeah. me. <laughs> oh my god! How did it go? How did you do? I, I I thought I held my own. It's it's amazingly easy to play with amazing players because at that point um, they make all the right plays and they make you look even better. Uh, and they're all great people, like Patrice Bergeron. Is one of like the nicest people I've ever met. It was crazy. I'm standing in line and he comes up to me, taps me on the shin guard. He's like, "Hey, I haven't seen you out here before. Uh, <laughs> my name is Patrice. Nice to meet you." And I'm like, "I know who you are. You don't have to tell me who you are." <laughs> and then, sorry, I don't like, mean, like <laughs> I haven't seen you here before. You're like, yeah, like getting picked yeah, up at a no. bar. Or yeah. <laughs> and then. Marshawn, I hated Marshawn from like TV until I met him and he's a great guy. He's super funny. So at those skates, we used to get dressed at the Boston University men's ice rink, which is uh, like this awesome thing, but they don't put the ice down in the summers. The ice is only in the women's rink. So to get there, we would get fully dressed, but keep our skates off and walk across the street. So we're out in the public walking across the street. So one day Brad and I are walking into the uh, into the women's rink. So Brad's in full hockey gear, helmet, Bruins jersey, and like the Poland spring water bottle guy like slams on the brakes and he goes, hey, are you Brad Marshawn? He's like, nah, I'm just another guy with a huge nose. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, I am Brad. So he, he called the guy down, took pictures and stuff. But Aww. Did Yans chirp you? Oh, Yans chirps everybody. What do you say to yeah. you? Oh, I don't remember. He'd be like, he'd just be like little things like, oh, this kid's got rocks for hands, things like that. I don't know. <laughs> I remember the only thing I remember with Yance was one day in uh, in the locker room, there's another guy, Keith O'Coin, who actually played at the same school as me, but quite a bit older than I am. And they were both playing for... I think they were. I think they were going to Arizona. I think Kansas on Arizona, and uh, 
he's like, yeah, I'm Keto Coin. is like, yeah, I'm going to leave tomorrow. I'm going to drive out. And my wife's going to take the other car. And Jan's is like, what do you mean you're going to drive? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, I got to get my cars there. He's like, no, you put them on a truck. You take a private jet. Don't be a peasant. We're in the national. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, so Too good. good. Too oh, good. I needed a Thanks. laugh. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I could. Uh... <laughs> it's wild. Like people, wild. people see these guys as like so prim and proper in like the media, and you kind of have to be because you have to be a big guarded. But they're so funny and like so open and just normal people in real life. Once you get to know them, they they don't have like this just this cold facade that you see on TV. And I wish that more people were able to show it because guys like David Pasternak is like one of the nicest, funniest people to be around. He's never had a bad day in his life. He's always smiling. And it's something I think the game of hockey misses is just showcasing how great the people in the game are. Exactly. I think that's, I mean, that's why we like asking each of our guests stories on, you know, do they have any player related stories or any of being a fan and having, you know, cool fan stories? Cause we try to, I mean, I think everyone knows that these guys have the best personalities and they're funny and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they, like you said, they have to almost have a facade to like, cause they're a professional athlete. They, they're probably afraid to say the wrong thing. And so and the media wants to, to show- catch people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The media yeah. wants to like have a story and, and, get on sports radio and trash people. It's a bad part of our culture. So what was like your off ice personality versus your like post game interviews in Germany or even in the ECHL? Like (laughs) they, they, they weren't interviewing me in, uh, (laughs) in Germany. That's for sure. (laughs) The only time they had one thing in Germany, it was like the player introductions like mm-hmm. the beginning of the season and every guy had to pick a song, like a walkout song, like a baseball walk to the plate. And mine, the guy's like, I bet you won't pick a stupid song. And I'm like, how much do you bet? And he's like 10 bucks. I'm like, okay, deal. So I walked up to Taylor Swift. I knew you were in trouble when you walked in. That's good. I think that's the last time I was interviewed because they also made me say something in German. I had no idea what it was and it was pretty inappropriate. What was like the coolest part about maybe the nightlife in Germany? Like, did you ever go out and have fun, like bars and anything like that? Yeah, they, it's crazy. So the nightlife never stops. Like there's no closing time to the bar. It's just when the last person leaves or the bartender (laughs) just gets tired and he goes home. Jeez. I remember for New Year's, me and my friend, my one of my best friends, Tori Allen, he was on the team with me. And we're like, all right, we got to go to the bar, like get there for midnight. So we show up to like the big club in the town and it's dead empty. There's not a single person in the club. We're like, where the hell is everybody? They're like, oh, they're all still on the streets because it's open container. Like you can drink wherever you want. I mean, there's no rules. So... We like we went down to the town square and it's chaos, like fireworks going everywhere. People are just littered all over the place. So 
we were there for a few hours and then we ended up going to the bar at like three or four in the morning. I went home early that night at seven in the morning. Tori did the full shift and left at 10 in the morning. Oh. So it's, it's, it's pretty chaotic there. You can get into a lot of trouble slash a lot of fun pretty easy. It sounds like despite some of the, uh, you know, ups and downs of your hockey career and, and the places you've been and, you know, all of what you've told us, I would assume that was a good experience and that hockey had a good impact on your life. But how would uh, you hockey is the best it? thing that ever happened to me. Okay. Easily the best thing that ever happened to me. Like, um, I come from like a, like a fairly low income house uh, split. Like my parents are divorced from a young age. Um, I'm the, there's uh alcohol is like very prevalent in my family and it normally is a very slippery slope and hockey was a way for me to like escape that whole lifestyle. And it opened up so many opportunities for me. Like there's no way in the world I would have been able to have a 10th of the experiences that I did without the game. And the people I've met is almost even more um, of a benefit of it. It's such, especially as you are fortunate enough to like climb the ladder in, in hockey, the, the amount of people becomes such a small tight knit community that there's this instant bond. And it, it was like my family for most of my life. Like the hockey team was essentially a pre-built family that I could always count on and support um, as I grew up and definitely the best thing that ever happened to me was playing the game. It's great to hear that. Cause we've, we try to ask this question and I would be interested to hear what you have to say that Breezy and I are of the belief that the game of hockey and, and the fans and the players and that whole community really is something unique and different from other professional sports. And we haven't been able to really put our finger on why that is. So from your perspective, why you know, what about hockey? I mean, obviously you haven't played other professional sports <laughs> unless you just haven't told us about that. No, no definitely haven't. But uh, <laughs> so what is that? Um, like, how would you describe that hockey community aside from like how it, it really was a family for you? I would say it's a big thing is just the humbleness of the, of the people. Um, everybody's, extremely open, um, accepting of anybody and everybody. And the egos don't really exist in the locker room where I think they do in other sports. Like you would never, it's, it's almost cliche, but if you watch an interview of a hockey player, it is extremely rare that you hear an I in that conversation. It's always we, even if this guy does an individual effort, it's, yeah, we won the game, we did this, we did this. And if you look at any other sport, there's a lot of eyes. It's I threw a no-hitter, I hit a home run, I scored 23 points in the basketball game. Um, I'm not sure how that got ingrained to the, to the culture, but I think it's a really beneficial thing because I think it built such a strong connection to everybody. And I think that that we team mentality spreads into everything. And it's, it's always the team before individuals. So when you have that mentality, it brings 
everybody together and it builds a stronger community, like you said, with the fans and the humbleness makes the players appreciate the fans even more than, and, and especially playing in the minor leagues, there's such a closer interaction with the fans and there is in the NHL, there's not as big of a barrier. It's pretty accessible. So you get to meet fans and you get to actually talk to them and grow relationships with them. And I know like when Cincinnati, there was this one little girl who was my biggest fan. And whenever I would see her in the, um, in warmups, I'd always throw her a puck and like talk to her after the game. So, and I, I don't know how prevalent things like that would be in other sports. I don't see, baseball players going over to the side of the dugout and talking to little kids and, and giving them balls as much as I do in hockey. I, I want to bring this back to something you had said earlier about how uh, it's a shame that the players don't get a chance to show their personality really in the league out, you know, in very rare instances, do we get to see these glimpses of their you know, how great they are off the ice as well, you know, because the, the NHL and the leagues are all very like, you know, prim and polished. Yeah. You know, you've got the five phrases you can say and like it's we and all of that, which I think is really great. And I think it works for to a, to an extent where it doesn't get out of control then. And then you've got like NBA style players who are like, you know, just saying stuff to cause drama. You, you On Twitter, and, just right. <laughs> throwing craziness at each other. <laughs> right. And like, that's taking away from the game. And I don't, I think there's a fine line of, of that being able to add to the game and add to the excitement. I think, you know, there's like the fun rivalries that exist in hockey with like, Revo and Evander Kane like you know yeah. they're they, Tom Wilson right like they know how to do it in a fun way where you're not like oh this is like giving me a yucky feeling you're like this is hilarious like this is so yeah. good what are they gonna say next like I just think hockey's got that right balance even though at the cost of that is you don't get to see who these players are off the ice in the public eye um, you get to see it in person, which is, I think, why it works. And that's why I think that hockey players are so much more accessible and so much more eager to make the effort to talk to fans and connect with them because they don't really get to show that at all. And every story we've heard throughout all the episodes we've done of people who've interacted with players in any capacity um, are just like the guys were great. They, you know, were so interested and they took the time. And um, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. I don't know what point I'm trying to make, but I think something I, I about think the... I do. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, I think I think part of it comes down to the media asking bad questions because mm. they ask like, "How does it feel to score the second goal out there?" Like, I don't know, it felt good. Next question. But you have to give this, like, oh, it was a great pass from Johnny. Like, I think if they ask more personalized questions, I get it. Like, there's a time and place for it. In between periods, you're not going to ask it. But if you ask the guy, like, hey, what did you do on Saturday night? You might get a little bit in more interesting question answer. And I think that's where guys would be able to explore their personality more. But the questions are so cookie-cutter and dry 
and they're just repetition, repetition, repetition. So that's like my last year in Cincinnati. I had this running joke with the PR guy who just got hired on in Seattle that I wasn't going to do any interviews all year. So I didn't do any interviews for the entire season until like January. It's like January, February. And he's like, Colin, you have to do an interview. And um, at this point, I've been riding pine for a long time. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing an interview. And he's like, if you score a goal tonight, you have to do an interview tomorrow. So, of course, I scored a goal that night. And I'm like, damn it, why did I have to score tonight? It's like the only time I've been upset about scoring a goal. So uh, he, I get on the bus, and I just see him grinning. And he's like, all right, Colin, we're going to do an interview tomorrow. I'm like, Everett, if we're going to do an interview, let's do like a, a real one and meet me like in the lobby tomorrow. So I meet him in the lobby and I bring my friend Jordan Sims and I'm like, all right, Everett, let's do an interview. And he starts off and he's like, how did it feel winning the national championship? I'm like, no, Everett, that's not how we're going <laughs> to, we're going to interview each other. And we're going to just ask stupid questions. So like I asked my friend, what's it like to meet a girl with no teeth? And and I asked him, like, uh, how much time he does making his hair before practice, like, or going out before pregame skate and things like that, like, things where you can actually have a joke and a laugh about. Um, So I think it all depends on how you structure. And if people just got a little bit more creative with asking questions, guys would be more creative answering them. Tell everybody what you're up to. You've you've mentioned it a little bit here with the clothing line and and uh, buying houses. We were talking a little bit um, before we hit record. So uh, tell us about your ho- life after hockey. So I I uh, when I when I shut hung up the skates, <laughs> which I still haven't put on since I hung them up. Wow. Um, it's been about three years. I uh, I wanted to to try something different and. For the start, I wanted to see what house flipping game was all about. So I moved out to Cincinnati, where the real estate was much cheaper than it was in Massachusetts. Um, in the last three years, I've flipped five properties, and I did all of the work myself. And they're normally complete guts, down to the studs, all electric plumbing, drywall, the whole nine yards. Um, and on the last one, the one that I'm in right now, I just got sick of having drywall dust in my hair every day and being alone and just just being tired. So I started thinking, like, there's got to be something else. And I'm, I, I have a weird-shaped body like most hockey players do. Like, I have a, a big ass and a small waist. So nothing really fits me well. Um, so I, I own my own sewing machine because I get sick of going to the tailor. I'm actually pretty good sewing. Yans uh, would be like, so come on. on my sewing one sewing machine one day. Yans would be like, you're in the ECHL. You could at least afford a tailor. What are you? What are you doing, yeah, you pigeon? Know. You're a pigeon. You're not a no. pigeon with rock hands. No, no. He'd be like, hey man, can you sew? Uh, can you sew my pants for me? Uh, throw you a couple. Like, he'd be like, hey man. You want to stitch a little letter on my jersey tonight? Give me the A. <laughs> oh, that's too good. Sorry. Go on with sewing. Um, I think that's amazing that you learn to sew and be able so to tailor your own clothes. I'm at the sewing machine one day, and I'm doing pants, and I'm looking at, like, the shirt I'm wearing. I'm like, 
the shirt looks terrible. It's, it's super baggy, but it's like fairly tight on my chest and super baggy over my waist because I kind of taper down towards the waist. And, and I just started thinking like there's got to be something that in between being a, a garbage bag and skin tight, there's got to be somewhere in between there that actually fits you. So I started playing around and then I got online and I started emailing people and I ended up finding this one factory in Bogota, Colombia that I connected with. So I booked, I'm pretty quick with a plane ticket. It doesn't take much for me to book a ticket. So I booked the ticket. I go down to Bogota and while I'm there, I kind of have this idea. I originally went purely to, to try to make this shirt line. And while I was there, I had this idea for underwear because I was, I don't know how to say this without being crude, but like guys, we have balls and they kind of swing around quite a bit. And the other problem is the legs of most like underwear always slide up on you. Mm. And I'm sitting in the airport pulling my pants down in Bogota and I'm like, I'm going to talk to the factory tomorrow too about some underwear, get this going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's great you're like i gotta fix this underwear problem i'm gonna fix this pant problem this shirt we're doing all of it this is all we're gonna wrong. do it we're all doing it. i'm like this sucks like somebody should have thought of this it shouldn't it's 2020 we have iphones that can like basically read your mind but i can't get underwear that won't ride up my legs this is ridiculous <laughs> that's so uh i met with the guy and I hated the material for all the for all the shirts. I'm like, none of this will work. And but I'm like, I have this idea for underwear. So we started sketching it up with the designer and went through like three or four prototypes while I was there. And then over the last seven or eight months, we've done probably another like 15 prototypes to like lock in the design and get it done. And I personally love them now. Uh, so finally get it done and then coronavirus hits and everything gets put on hold. Um, so eventually Bogota opened back up. I was able to make my first order. Um, I, I was able to get them uh, last month. I kind of like beta launched the website and everything. And Shout it out, shout it out. It's, it's called, the company is called Vora, V-O-R-A. Um, and the website is Vora.style. No, no.com is just Vora.style. Uh, right now it's in a bit of a beta version. Um, the last, last weekend and then this weekend, I'm shooting all of the content, the media. Um, it's a bit more risque than your average. Uh, it's, 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 it's more of a Calvin Klein feel. Not Haynes. Uh, it's definitely not Haynes. <laughs> it's definitely not Haynes. Like the the commercial I shot last weekend was essentially the story of a one night stand. Um, <laughs> I like so it. So it's a bit more it's a bit more risque, but I need something that is going to yeah. stop somebody scrolling in the mindless scroll. Um, I know personally, there's not much that's going to make me scroll faster than a man in an underwear ad. So my marketing strategy is to use as many beautiful women as possible to kind of stop you and then be like, oh, they're selling underwear here. But that woman's also beautiful. (laughs) Smart Um, Smart marketing. So I have another photo shoot in Detroit this weekend with, uh, I think somebody you featured in the past, guy named Stylin Mylan, Dan Mylan, who's a teammate of mine. You're interviewing Mylan? I was just going to ask if you knew Dan, because you guys both are uh, doing fashion stuff. 
Yeah, what so are Dan's you doing a buddy of mine. Him? Give us a little teaser. Dan's going to be the model uh, this weekend. I unfortunately was the model last weekend. And uh, so it's going to be Dan and, and a beautiful woman, and we're going to shoot uh, some Calvin Klein esque photos, and we're going to get them on the site. And once that gets on the site, then we're going to hit it full force and start marketing it. Oh my God, so fun. Mm. Tell him we say hi. We will. I will, definitely. I'm going to see him uh, Friday night for dinner. Fun. <laughs> so any Dan Mylan fans out there, maybe you'll get a sneak peek on Vora. <laughs> There's you'll a lot. Right? More... Dan has... You get to see a little oh, bit more wow. Dan than you're used to. Shirt's <laughs> yeah. off. Most of the bottom's off. <laughs> Dan has like a, a cult following, I've, uh, I've realized. They love when he's shirtless and any... Uh, any photos I ever post of him on hunks of hockey, they just go nuts over. So yeah, it's pretty That's funny. Like one, one time we were in quad city when we were playing up Fort Wayne and they had this graphic of Dan Mylan with his head cut off, like a shirtless, shirtless picture of Mylan. And they were like putting fans faces on Mylan's body at an away rink. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh man, was that the one of him like posing against like the brick wall with the jeans? Yeah, he's got like the lean with the jeans. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. That's a little too weird funny. for it to be at an away game. It's an away game, and it's like weird. I didn't know if it was like flattering to Mylan, like, hey, this guy's really good looking, so we're gonna put it. I, it was the weirdest thing. I didn't know how to take it. Mylan should have taken it as a compliment. I, yeah. Maybe it was one of those like reverse like psychology things like, hey, we're just going to poke fun at this guy, but like give him like a compliment at the same time. But like, is it going to make him uncomfortable? Like persona that is this big like fashion guy and he might be egotistical. It's the first thing from the truth. He's super genuine and like kind hearted. And I know like he keeps everything that any fan has ever given to him. He still has it. He saved it. That speaks volumes to just the character of him as a, as a person. And then, you know, to have that, to have had that ability to, to share that with so many people and have such an impact on people's lives playing hockey. I mean, that's such a unique experience. It's just such a unique position you're in Colin. Like when you play to have that opportunity, um, what, like, what, how did you feel about all of that? And like, connecting with fans and, and like doing that sort of thing. I'm, I'm like a fairly shy person in like new settings. Once I get to know somebody, the, the doors are wide open. So I always felt, um, I don't know the right word here, but like guilty that people wanted to, to meet me and they treated me any different because in my mind, I'm just an average person. So it always like when people were like in, excited to see me I I never really understood like I'm just an average person like talk to me normal don't like you don't have to uh like pump my tires or or, like lie to me just like just shoot the shit with me and let's let's have a conversation I would way rather have a conversation with somebody than like someone stroke my ego because uh I I don't have uh, I like to think I don't have that big of an ego, um, but I love getting to know people. So whenever you could get over that, like that fan 
player divide and just come down into level like equal people that's that's what I enjoyed would you say a lot of players I know you you spent some time with the the guys of the Bruins would you say that they're like the same way too they would rather have like that physical connection with a fan as like a person to person rather than like fan to player uh yeah I think they they would too the only problem there is is they probably get so much so in order to really make that connection it would just be too time consuming um but I think sometimes you kind of, they kind of feel like they're farm animals and you, people are going to the zoo and just like looking at them and they don't get like treated with respect. I think you get a lot more from a player in today's world if you just went over to them and introduced yourself and said hello than if you walked over and took, a, took your phone out and didn't even say anything. Mm-hmm. You're just like, hey, um, I don't know a name, but you'd just be like, hey, Connor Sherry, uh, I'm a big fan of the Penguins, like, congratulations on the Stanley Cup. Like, I'm really rooting for you out there. Mm-hmm. You, you, that would open the dialogue a lot more than someone being... Um, like, can I get you on my like, snap? <laughs> yeah. Can I, get a, can I get a Snapchat? Can I get your autograph? Like, just, just treat them as if you would meet anybody. Just humbly and just go over and be nice. And you always get more uh, honey, more bees with honey than vinegar. And, and at the end of the day, we're all just normal people. So just just treat us like normal people. You know, I, I kind of have to agree with that because I I did something similar. Um, this is kind of funny, but I, I really love Miley Cyrus. Like she's like one of like, especially like way back when. And yeah. I actually saw her at, um, her brother was playing at, uh, at CityWalk in Universal Studios. And she was in the Hard Rock cafe or whatever that restaurant is and i saw her and i was like oh shoot like that's miley like oh my god and everyone and like i was standing next to billy ray cyrus in an elevator and he goes how's it going and i was like good how are you like i'm just trying to go see miley you know anyway i we ended up coming back down the elevator and i saw her and i just walked over to her and people started like following me and i was like she's and i had a book in my hand because i was gonna interview her brother's band because i was doing it for work and she like held out her hand like to like take like my thing. I was like, oh no, no, I don't want an autograph or anything. I just wanted to say, hey, what's up? And she went, yeah. Oh, she probably appreciated then, it so much. Yeah, and everyone started like running over, and like I just went like this. I was like, see ya. And she was like, bye. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. So I do agree. I, I think that if you don't, I mean, I think everyone wants like an autograph or a picture to like hang up on their wall or whatever it is. But I think that you're gonna get more of a response that you would want and have a better experience meeting your favorite athlete or celebrity or whatever by just making that memory yourself and just being like, Hey, like, how's it going? Cause that's something that like I hold close to me is like, I didn't have to get anything. Like I know that I had like a connection with her that like, that only matters to me. Like I don't need to show anything yeah. for it. Yeah. Like have the memory between you and that person is going to be a lot more memorable than some picture you can just show your friends be like hey i met them did you say right. hello no but i have a right. picture but right. i would way yes. rather right. have a 30 second conversation with somebody right and and be and get to like in 30 seconds you're going to know that person a million times more than everything right. you've ever consumed on social media or exactly like, the news whatever it is 
Yeah. And then they'll, they'll realize that. I mean, I ended up running into Miley again a couple weeks later at Urban Outfitters for I was walking in the door and she was walking out and she went, Oh, Hey, how's it going? And then just kept walking. And that was it. I was like, we're friends. That's all I needed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I needed. I used to leave tickets for Taylor Swift every time we played in Reading, Pennsylvania, because that's her hometown. And I don't know if she ever picked them up at the well call, but I left them. Oh, Ooh. that's so sweet. Does she that's know nice. that you left them though? <laughs> oh yeah. One guy in the team, uh, Chaz Johnson used to take a picture and tweet it at her every single game we played. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what That's was your so response good. when you were like, oh, get us reserve four tickets for Taylor Swift? Did you ever get like a weird response or anything? I got my, my ticket privileges in Wheeling revoked because of that. Cause it said, <laughs> I kept leaving paid tickets. Cause one of my friends went to use my tickets one game. So I never had like people come to actually come watch me play. I didn't ever give them to people. So I gave him to another guy in the team and they, his like family or whatever shows up the box office. Like we got two for Colin Mulvey. He's like, no, he doesn't have tickets anymore. So his friends had to pay to get in that night because mine got revoked. <laughs> oh no. That's hilarious. Do you have any, uh, any other stories or uh, should we hit you with the, the last two questions that we ask everyone? Three, uh, three questions. Oh, oh, sorry, the three questions. I it's forgot. New, there's it's new. It's new. There's, there's the Sid question. Oh, I, I think I know the other two. It's like the, hey, the, who's my favorite hunk and who's my favorite yep. female in in women's yep. hockey. I did yep. a, I did a little thinking on those. Um, okay. Do you want Being me to dive honest. into that? Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah. so my my favorite hunk, which is kind of awkward for me to say. But <laughs> it, it is for every guy we ask. They're yeah. like, oh, this is like kind of weird. <laughs> but I, I'm but gonna people go enjoy my... hearing it. So it's good. I'm going to go with the uh, the king, Henrik Lundqvist. The guy's meticulously dressed. His beard is perfect. His hair is just feathered and lethal. It's unbelievable. Like, I don't even think the wind could stop that guy. Get a hair out of place. <laughs> uh there was one story where guys in like the Rangers are like, Oh, we're going golfing. Uh, what's the dress code and like business casual khakis and a polo. And he shows up in a three priest Armani suit and like, what are you doing? He goes, there's no such thing as business casual. He's just (laughs) perfectly dressed all the time. I don't know. He's just a stud. He's a complete stud, the weapon. And then for my favorite, female in the sport I gotta go with um probably the most accomplished female hockey player that I know personally and it'd be my friend's sister Erica Lawler um she played I think she won three national championships with Wisconsin in her four years she played for the U.S. women's team for like 10 years I think she won the silver medal twice in the Olympics uh, she's a stud. She's tiny. She's like four foot one. She's this little girl, but she's buzzing out there. This ponytail swaying and she, she's just got it. She's a winner. She's just a complete winner. I love it. What about, uh, what about a Sid story? You got a Sidney Crosby story? I know you have one, at least one. Yeah. So Sid, Sid's my favorite player. So, um, I'm unfortunately, I never got to meet the guy, but uh, I know plenty of guys who have, and one of my favorite stories was when Sid was 
really young. He was playing on the world junior team. And I think he was only 16 at that time. So he wasn't the star yet. He was the new up and coming guy on team Canada and a friend of mine and his dad happened to be at the site of the world juniors. And they were watching practice day before a day or two before the events happened. So after practice happens, he's standing there at the tunnel and he's like, Hey, say, can I get an autograph? He's like, sorry, I can't. Um, they don't want anybody to do any autographs at the arena. But what I can do is tomorrow I'm eating breakfast at 8 a.m. in the lobby. So if you show up at the hotel, you and your son can come sit with me and we'll have breakfast together. And I thought that was just incredible for some 16-year-old kid to have that much awareness and that much class to like at 16 there's no way I'm not having breakfast with my buddies if I'm even waking up for breakfast and this guy (laughs) this guy's 16 years old and he has the whereabouts in the class to invite this man and his son to eat breakfast with him at the biggest stage of his career at the point world juniors and I'm like how can how can you not like a guy who's that good of a person and be that humble and be that amazing at the game. We agree. I'm glad this is our third question of, of our, of our podcast. Now, <laughs> what about you? I, I mean, I just love hearing stories about players in general. And even if yeah. it's not Sid, like I think being able to show, um, you know, listeners and, and followers, the, the true side of, of any player um, it's just going to be helping the game anymore. And, and Sid does a phenomenal job in general on and off the ice, just proving that the hockey's the best sport and that the players in general, I think he's a good representation of all of the players, even though you don't hear too many stories of other players, except for a, a select few. So I do. Yeah. I love this, this question. And it's, it sucks because the guys who get no publicity are normally like the best guys too. like the, right. the third, fourth liners. Mm-hmm. Normally they're on the team because like they are definitely talented, but they're also like amazing teammates mm-hmm. because there's this, one of the first things like, like a college recruiting coach asks about a player isn't his performance is his personality. So for you to be able to like fit in and be funny and there's something to say for a guy who like Pasternak who never has a bad day because you go and get smoked one game, the next day in the locker room can be pretty grim. But if you have one of those people who come in and just brighten the mood, the team never gets down. And typically those third and fourth line players are guys who have that personality in spades, especially the fighters. Like the fighters, Mm -hmm. they're gone from the game, but they used to be the best glue guys. They're the guys booking dinner reservations, like setting up team functions, kind of like Biz. Like Mm -hmm. Biz says it all the time in the pod. He wasn't there for his abilities. He was there for his off-ice activities and the ability to be a a locker room guy and his ability to, to protect his team. I personally experienced it firsthand how important like the physical intimidating aspect is because in Germany, like fighting doesn't exist. 
and the game is savage. It's so much more dangerous because there's no repercussions of playing like a punk. Like I can go do something terrible to you. And the worst thing that's going to happen is I got to sit in time all for two minutes. Big deal. Right. If I did that in the United States or in Canada, I'm going to get punched in the face and my jaw is going to hurt me all week. So that's going to be, that stops you from doing a lot. So when all these people are like, when you get rid of fighting, it's too dangerous. It sounds so like counterintuitive, but fighting makes the game so much safer because it polices itself and it sets out the message like, hey, treat people with respect or you're going to like pay for it. And a punch to the face is a lot better than getting an elbow at full speed to the face. Oh, yeah. I agree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take your word for that, though. Sounds like it would be. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you look at my nose, I'm an expert. I've, I've broken it enough times. To know. <laughs> uh, no. I would agree with that statement on um, on fighting. And, and I, I'm always a I, don't change the game, you know, don't change it too much. Leave it how it is. I like that it's the fourth, fourth most popular sport in, in the U.S. Don't mess with it. Don't make the salary cap too much bigger. I mean, I know the guys deserve more money, but like, don't make it into this like crazy NBA nonsense. Like, keep it how it is. It works. It's a beautiful community and, and sport, but uh, for at least from a fan's perspective. Yeah. And the people who want to change it are often people who aren't involved with the game. Mm-hmm. Who don't don't know it. They're like the armchair quarterbacks of the of the sport who yeah. just see it from the grandstands and don't actually know the intricacies of the game. There's so much that happens. Even I never even knew it until I got into a professional locker room. Like what's actually happening here? Right. And yeah. That's... But there's yeah. there's so much to it. There's so much to it that people don't understand like the the code of fighting like the unwritten code like i bet you 99 percent of the fans don't really know like the kind of the code it's like you only fight in your weight class unless someone from a lower weight class asks you to fight then you can fight it like you can never so say i'm pat maroon i can never go and fight a guy like nathan gerbey Unless Nathan Gerbey wanted to fight me, then it's fair season. Or same thing if I'm, uh, and you can only fight like within your skill level typically, like your your ranking. So if, let me think of a name here. Uh, I don't know who would be a good name. Matt Martin on the Islanders. If he wanted to fight Sidney Crosby, that fight would never happen. But if Cindy Crosby wanted to fight Matt Martin, that fight happened instantly. Because, uh, like, uh, a fourth liner can't ask a first liner to fight, but a first liner can ask a fourth liner to fight. Huh. I didn't know Interesting. That. I didn't know that either. Because it's like, who are you? And then if, if the fourth liner tried to fight a first liner, then someone's coming over the bench to stop that from happening. <laughs> Self-policing. Yeah. I like, I like that. I like that. I like that so whole not, entire it, little thing. It's not just this like vicious um, random occurrence. Like me being a smaller player, 
I was only ever asked, I never fought, but I was only ever asked by other smaller players to fight. Some big six foot five goon never like grabbed me and was like, let's go. <laughs> they would know that's just not going to happen. Right. right. What's the fun in that anyway? Yeah. I would just like, get my teeth knocked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd be uh, lights out two, two seconds. Where can everybody follow you on, oh, yeah. on social and, and all of that and, and say the website name again? My personal Instagram is Mully, M-U-L-L-E-Y, 2587. Um, I post about one picture a year, but when I do, it's a good picture. So make sure you're ready for it. <laughs> and um, my business uh, social is at Vora Style, B-O-R-A-S-T-Y-L-E. And the website is Vora.Style, B-O-R-A dot style. Thanks, Molly. Is that your nickname? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again (laughs) for coming on. No, thank you, guys. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.